What is up, everybody? You are dialed into the Dialed Up podcast. I'm Darby, joined by Luke Callahan, Zane Chapelier, and we got a little special primed up for you guys to go into further on the Miami Clemson matchup. We kind of talked a little bit about it in our main podcast um, earlier this week, but I really wanted to dive in more on it. I mean, this is a great matchup. I mean, we all did. We're all pretty amped up. This is the first, like, true big game. I yeah. think that really has that that anticipation and hype factor behind it. I mean, you had Auburn, Georgia last weekend, but other than those fan bases, I don't think too many people on a national stage were really like, oh, I, I can't wait to fucking watch this. Yeah, and I feel like this this game doesn't have as much media behind it as you would really expect, and maybe that that's on purpose. Well, I, I don't really know, yeah. but I would expect there would be a lot more jibber-jabber about what's about well, to go on this weekend, especially from, like, you know, Everyone in college football, just in general, like I would be expecting way more highlights on TV and things about this game, hyping this shit up because well, it's about to be damn near like this could potentially look like almost like a national championship caliber. profile game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and yeah, the <clears throat> national media hasn't really been like the national media outlets haven't been hyping it up, but the people that have been watching football and those diehard fans that finally got to see all right, Miami may actually have a little something going on this year and that have gotten to watch all the games that Miami's played to this point and see the improvement that they've made even from the first game and especially from last year, especially on social media, you're starting to see that they may have a shot. Right. And that's the thing that's kind of driving the excitement around this game. And, boys, I can't wait to talk about it. We... Woo! It's it's funny you bring up um like the the lack of uh, like media around it because I was actually wanting to start off talking about um the Clemson media because okay. I've spent all week at work listening to uh, of course I listen to my Miami podcast but when I wasn't listening to them I was listening to Clemson podcast yeah Left, I hit every Clemson podcast that came out on Apple podcast and um I was honestly I can't I I, I was a little shocked I can't be crazy shocked because of uh how much hype we get every year at the beginning of the year and then end up flopping around this time. (laughs) So um, it wasn't entirely, like, super shocking, but I was a little surprised that they were kind of blowing it off a little bit. Like, it was like another game to them, just, you know, whatever. You know, like, acting like a typical ACC matchup, but if we're being honest, I think this is the best ACC team that they've faced since, like, the loaded FSU rosters. Because, I mean, coming out of the ACC, the only strong teams we've had in the last seven, eight years was Miami in 17. Yeah. Virginia Tech's always kind of there, but they're always meh. Yeah. And then, like, Louisville, when they have Lamar Jackson, which they couldn't get it done because they had no defense. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, those, you know, and then you got Florida State, who's always had that that loaded (laughs) roster that's slowly become depleted. Yeah. um, Since Jimbo left. But ever since they were, like, a FSU was that dominant team, there hasn't been a real challenger in the ACC. Well, yeah. And I feel like they're just blowing it off because it's been so long that they've had one that they're just like, well, yeah, it's just I mean, Miami. If you look at it, since Dabo took control over that program and really came onto the scene, uh, they haven't had anybody to challenge them in the conference. They have been, the by far and away, the most dominant team to come out of that conference. They have, I mean, they've put themselves on a pedestal and said, look, we are this much better than everybody else in here, and if you want to challenge us, good luck, because you don't have the talent to do it. They were recruiting at such a much higher level than everybody else in the ACC. I mean, yeah, FSU had talent, and like Louisville, they had a Heisman-winning quarterback, Mm -hmm. but in terms of full depth and full rosters, that are talented, and then you have good coaching on top of it, which is what FSU has been missing mm-hmm. on all of those loaded rosters. They haven't had anybody to come close until now. Like, even Miami has had talent, but yeah. they haven't had the coaching behind it. Mm-hmm. And I think this year they have the right meld, and we'll get into it, of they have the coaching now. They have the talent. They have the coaching. We have the offense now. That's the biggest difference. I know yeah. it comes down to coaching because he, our offense coordinator is the big reason behind it. But I've been saying and saying and saying it. You've heard me say it and say it and say it for years. This team needs a modern offense. If we had, a, we've had the defense. If we had, a, we had a championship caliber defense for the last four years. Yeah. 
but we needed the offense, and it never did it. And then now we do, and I think, and I understand. I like I said at the beginning, I understand why people sleep on us this year because we. It's every year, man. Is the U back? We hear it every fuck every year. You know, so I get, I get it. But to me, I just don't fully comprehend the fact that these, uh, like, Clemson guys that do and specialize in going in and looking at their opponents and, like, wanting to put up these in-depth conversations. Yeah. They're, I mean, they don't even really put up in-depth conversations about this game. They just don't really care. They, it, to it, me, it's, it's mind-blowing to me that this is, like, the biggest matchup they've had in years yeah, in the ACC. Especially when you look at some of the matchups that you're going to have, I mean, especially with... Clemson has always prided themselves in the trenches, and Luke is probably going to get into this a little bit more, and we can talk some line. But in the trenches, that's where they've prided themselves. They had NFL product after NFL product on both the offensive line and the defensive line. And this year, I mean, Trevor Lawrence and the past and last year, you hardly ever saw him on the ground. He was hardly ever sacked, right? And this year, he's already been sacked five times against. Uh, Virginia and Wake, Wake Forest. Forest. And I don't think anybody in the nation would say that Wake Forest or Virginia's defensive lines are anywhere as good as Miami's. So that becomes a real concern. How, it, yes, he has escapability and he is will always remain poised and always stay in the game, but how is he going to escape this pressure? How is he going to handle the looks that Manny Diaz and the Miami defense are going to be giving him? Because, I mean, you're going to have to find a way to stay off your back. You, you can't ride ETN the entire game. Lawrence is going, he's going to produce. He's going to like put up numbers. But those sacks, especially at key junctures in the game, key drives, man, those are going to happen, I think, a lot more frequently than people are expecting. Yeah, and uh, on top of that, too, just what you mentioned about those sacks and you know going into, like, Clemson's offensive line, uh, a few new guys. Now these guys have experience and they played. They've have they have snaps under their belt, but um, they're a little bit a little bit younger. And then on top of that, you know, looking into it as well, I, I was frustrated. I was trying to find some way to pull up these games so I could see how these sacks occurred. You know, where these pressures were coming from. You know, was it a stunt that was kind of throwing them off? Was you it know? coverage? Was it coverage? Right. Like, did he, did he actually have a full five seconds in the pocket and then just it just nothing happened? Or those kinds of things make yeah. a huge difference in whether, and it sucks because I haven't really watched any of the Clemson games, and so I don't know, you know, where yeah. these things are coming from. I don't have anything recorded, obviously. So um, going into it, I was just frantically looking for anything I could possibly find. I could find nothing other than just interviews of Clemson's offensive linemen, and so, you know, looking into it, I think uh, there's a lot of things you could take in the aspect. Now I don't. I feel me to just go ahead. and dive away at the yeah, trench let's stuff. just let's dive into uh, the, the yeah. trenches a little okay, bit. Okay, so looking into Clemson's offensive line and then looking at Miami's defensive line. Now Roche is a fucking monster. Yep. Right? And he but the thing is, if he if this dude really wants to play in the NFL, this has to be the game that he absolutely balls out in, first and foremost. Now you could have a stellar game going into a national championship and stuff like that, but this for them has to be like their national championship. You know, you're playing the winner. Yeah. So, I I think that he has to have an absolute stellar game, and then not not on top of that, I look into that too, and you can't sit there and say that you know Clemson's quarterback's going to be an easy takedown. No. That dude's no. a big son of a bitch, and he can fucking run. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to be your simple. So like on top of that, they can't just be sitting here training. You know all these different stunts and whatever defensive, you know, game plans that they might have, but they also got to really make sure that they're practicing, and I'm sure they are, hopefully, on taking down a big body who's not afraid to throw them to the side. If anything, they should be having their scout team sit back there with a defensive lineman holding the fucking football and just practicing pocket collapsing and tackling a fucking big-ass dude with the football because, in reality, that's what it's going to feel like. Yeah. You know, you're tackling a fucking defensive end with a football. Yeah. In reality. So looking into that and that's maybe that I don't think that's something that they're gonna be quite used to once they get to him. So I, I, I'll admit that like either they're gonna come in and smack the shit out of him, you know, if they get to him right away. I don't think it's gonna happen that way. I think it's gonna be they're gonna I could 
envision the very first time that Miami almost has a fucking sack, he's going to slip away and get 10 yards. Well, and here's a, a question. Now, Phillips got kicked out of last week's game. Is he out the first half of the game? They have him listed as the starter and coming into this game on the depth chart. Okay, which is, I, because I believe it's because he was... Uh, Ejected for uh, two unsportsman likes. It wasn't like so. The it's targeting. only one half of a ball game. Um, I don't know the rules behind it. Yeah. So I, because I, I did listen um, into some other podcasts on Miami side that they they asked about that, and yeah. uh, they said for as far as they can tell, he's he should be playing from okay. the get go. Because because it wasn't a tar. It's different in like a targeting sense. Because that, targeting, that so. is a, a big factor, especially when you're obviously you're looking at um, a defensive line that is loaded with talent. And I think Phillips has shown his colors far more than Roche has thus far this year. And they have a difficult task ahead of them, not only um, containing and trying to get to Trevor Lawrence, but you have to add in the run game with Travis Etienne. Uh, I mean, he's going to, he's going to find his gaps. This is a young offensive line and, I mean, what? There's three sophomores, I want to say, on the Clemson offensive line, and only one senior who is the center. And let's see. Yeah, this three juniors. Yes, three juniors. Three two juniors, sophomores. two sophomores, and a senior make up the Clemson offensive line. So if I was going based off of what I see in terms of age and experience on the offensive line, I would expect Clemson to probably be running to their left quite a bit. Um, cause that's, that's where their guys are. That's where their stud offensive linemen are. So I would expect ETN to be running to his left quite a bit, uh, at least early trying to establish a run game. So Miami's going to have to be ready to, to battle in those trenches early on, man. Yeah. And this is another thing that I see coming out of this too, because of that, because of this kind of possible mismatch that we might be looking into, um, I think eventually Clemson's going to have to kind of rely on the fact that they're going to have to, if you're if they're getting pressured by Roche, if they're getting pressured by um, the defensive tackle. Uh, Nessa Silvera. Yeah, if, if he's getting pressure on them too, then don't be surprised if Clemson, you know, decides to go 12 personnel and bring in two tight ends and start to double team these defensive ends and get help with more double teams in the trenches and just run the shit out of the football. I also picture it the other way around, so this is why I picked my score maybe the way I did, but because if you're getting, if they're, I, you would imagine that Miami's going to bring the fucking heat, yeah, to try and really eliminate the possible big time pass plays and really put pressure on Clemson's quarterback. Now because of that, I I could see Clemson changing it up if they're not already changed it up to a run game plan, where they bring in that twelve personnel and things like that. Well, so while you're talking about this, I should have brought it up earlier. But there's a very good chance that it's going to be storming like crazy during this game and raining hard as hell. That, oh, the that more hurricane, hurricane is coming into them. supposed to be going up there yes. by game time. Okay. Uh, uh, unless it misses. They said, now, uh, when I listened to the Clemson podcast, a lot of them said that they're, right now, they personally think that it's probably going to drift too far west yeah. and not and miss. Because it's supposed to go up the Mississippi Valley. It could get some rainstorms still. Yeah. Yes. Now, imagine, now that's fucking sweet. Hurricanes beat Clemson Tigers in the middle of a fucking hurricane. <laughs> that would be a fucking headline for the ages. So, but, but the let me go ahead and just really quickly finish what I'm saying. So, with that being said, I think now on top of the weather, I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring game. Maybe not as many big time plays from both sides of the ball. Because then Miami, you're looking at Clemson's defensive line. They're a little bit younger too. There's a couple sophomores too, and so I'm looking at it as you know. From that perspective, I think Miami maybe has the advantage from an offensive line standpoint, and they've already got solid run, fucking running backs, and their quarterback can take off. Yeah. So why not run the fuck out of the football at them and then make them respect the shit out of it so then you can get those big-time pass plays if you need them? But with the weather and everything accounted for, I think this game's not going to be a high-scoring, explosive game. I think it's going to be a very well-thought-out offensive game plan, defensive oh. game plan game. Either way, you're going to have to scheme, right? Because yeah. this is one of those games where – Coaching is really going to come into effect, and you're going to have to out-coach the opponent. Right. That's one thing where I think, obviously, Clemson's very well coached. They have been for years. But here, as of late, they've shown some weakness in terms of how they're getting up to the line, right? Especially defensively. So we've seen um, 
their defensive line kind of being slow to get in their stance, slow getting ready when they're facing some sort of tempo. And Darby, you can get into more of this uh, a little bit better than I can. But they haven't faced any kind of tempo like they are Miami. with Miami. Because yeah. Miami is the fucking Energizer Bunny. Yeah. They yeah, go, go, I mean, go. If, if Rhett Lashley really keeps the foot on the on the gas, I mean, he shows it. He, he typically shows it kind of early on to kind of set the tone. Um, of course, we've been, you know, our last two opponents, we've blown them out. So it's we haven't been able to really stay that, that tempo. But if he can get it to where he's, we're sustaining that tempo, I really think it's a big thing. Because... And that's kind of, uh, I heard this coming off of um, it was a, I can't remember who it was. It was a national uh, writer brought that stat up, talking about um, how they have a hard time this year with Brent Venables getting his signals out to the defense in time, and they struggle get, getting ready and prepared. So I and I think you know you're going to be going up against Rhett Lashley, who literally gets plays off every like ten like ten eleven seconds. Yeah. I mean I mean literally pass play. All right, ten seconds. We're snapping the ball. It's not like, you know, getting set, then 10 seconds. It's 10 seconds, that ball's snapped. Yeah. Half the time we're waiting on the ref to snap before we can snap the ball. And if, if Clemson's having a hard time getting their defensive calls in, then you know going into this game that they're going to be sitting there thinking, like, how the fuck can we get these calls in? So they're probably already, they probably at the very beginning of this week had already been scrambling on how to get faster signals in, which in that case kind of changes already what kind of signals they have in availability well, as far as their playbook. I wouldn't be surprised. Standpoint. I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, defensively they come out with coaches response and they just start shooting in numbers. I wouldn't be surprised if they're having if the issue with them getting lined up is them looking to the sideline and getting the signal. They're going to have too much pride. You know Clemson's going to have too much pride to fucking wear wristbands. If they come out with wristbands, I'll be shocked and I'll respect the fuck out of their defensive coordinator for how humble he is. I think they're gonna have too much fucking pride to come out with wristbands. Yeah, I mean that's an ego thing for most coaches. But still, I mean, you if you aren't getting the calls in, especially and especially knowing the tempo that you're going to be going up against, mm-hmm. it's a lot quicker from a coaching standpoint and a player standpoint. Well, specifically a player standpoint. All right, get the tackle. You know the offense is going to be getting in quick. Look to the sideline, get a number. All right, dope. Seventeen. All right, I know my job. Yeah, and just keep it sweet and simple. And obviously, you're going to have different coaches throwing in different numbers or different signs. Your D line group's going to be looking at one coach. Your secondary is going to be looking at one because right. secondary doesn't necessarily need to know the stunt; they just need to know the coverage. Yeah. And so you'll be able to mix and match your your looks and stunts and games and everything that you're going to be running. Still, but it's just more efficient and quicker when you really don't have time to waste against a, a fast-moving offense. Well, and so we can stay on the subject because I think the key, the absolute key factor in this game is going to be our offense versus their defense. Um, if I was to pick a matchup of you know both sides, I think it's it's our offense versus their defense that's going to make the game. And you look at that Virginia game last week. Like, not only did Virginia put up 23 points, they put up 400 yards yeah. of total offense. Virginia. Virginia mm-hmm. lost. I mean, they, their quarterback Bryce Perkins. He was their offense last year and two years ago. He has been their team. They were a complete re, rebuild. You know, rebuild mode on that offense. Yeah. And for them to put up twenty three points and four hundred yards is telling. To yeah. Me. No, I agree with that. Well, and what would Virginia? They uh, who the hell did they just? They barely beat Wake, didn't they? Or was it Duke? They barely beat. I'm. I'm I can't remember. I I didn't. I'm looking it up right now. Let's see. Um, it was Duke, thirty-eight twenty. So it wasn't barely beat. They won by eighteen, but still, they. <laughs> okay. Oof. Oof. Yeah, I mean, I just there's concerns all the way around. I mean, this is the the first time where I look, other than the Ohio State game and the and the playoff, where I look at Clemson and I, I see that they are. I smell weakness. Yes, this is the like first serious, real weakness, and, and and not just in like the team itself, but in specific matchups. Like this is the first time since last the set playoff semifinal against Ohio State, where I look at certain matchups and I go, I think Clemson is outmatched here. Oh, yeah. and um, so you know, when you bring up matchups, it brings me to another really good point, and it's also staying on Clemson's defense is they don't have Isaiah Simmons anymore. 
Okay, they don't have that guy that can go at linebacker and run a four four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their their linebackers this year are notoriously unathletic, not that quick. And that begs the question: With Miami, you know, and it, you talk about this weather, for instance. Right. We run a two. If say we run a two tight end, you know. I don't system, think I don't. We think, have two tight ends that are, yeah. you know, top two round picks. Yeah. That's true. And then who's going to match up against them? And the tight ends, in my opinion, are Miami's tight ends are better than their wide receivers. Well, Brevin Jordan's the best receiver we have. Yeah. So. They're, they're, both their tight ends are better than their wide receivers, in my opinion. And Rhett Lashley's shown that he can scheme a way to get him down. So I, I think, especially if they're weather, Miami's best option is 12 personnel. Well, I, I, this is how I see it. I see it. I think they might go 12 personnel. I think they might go with, like, that pistol package where they have, like, one attached and one playing, like, that fullback, superback yeah, yeah, slot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we like to do that. I, yep. I, I, so I, I envision them, if they end up getting into those situations, they'll probably start off with not even attached tight end. They'll just have the superback kind of moving back and forth and doing some other things, which that can be deadly if you're really efficient and, with and it. And Brevin Jordan, they've shown that they do that, especially, and they like to release him on a combination of routes. Mm-hmm. They you just do. do they just do the the uh, swing to the to the flats. The pop. They they'll do the pop pass up the seam. Mm-hmm. They do a, a delay the block and release. Yeah. They they do. They've already shown quite a bit from that formation. They can run the whip out of it too. Yeah. you can make it look like he's coming in to block and then dip out. You can run a Texas route off of that or an. That, angle that route. was the offense that I coached for like the past two years. So that was a lot of fun, and you can do so much shit with yeah. it once you get really efficient with it. The the hardest part was with the play calling. You know, I don't think that's a problem with Rhett Lashley. No, no. So and I just to me because I guess and one of the big reasons I what what made me really want to do this and like talk a little bit more about it is one everyone's acted like a, like my friends you know my friends that listen to the podcast acted like it was nuts. Let alone for me to pick Miami but for but, both of us. Well, dude, they, I mean, my buddy <laughs> pointed it up. He, he's like, dude, how did all three of you pick Miami? How do you, how do you not? Well, and if you I, really if you really look at I just it. don't think because I don't think from an outside perspective some, you know, people that don't sit here and watch cuz I watch the ACC. Yeah. I don't just watch Miami. I pay really close attention to the ACC. And I'm I've been preaching it that I don't think this Clemson team is the same it's not the same Clemson team. No. Like people need to get that through their heads. This is not the jugger. I know they're number 1. I know they just they're coming off their best recruiting class they've ever had. I get that, but that's still their true freshman, so and it's not going to be a crazy impact. The the thing that we I think do a little bit different is how do most people watch the game? They do one of two things: they have a, a huge TV in their living room and they're watching a game and they're switching through games. They go to the sports bar and yep. they're watching maybe three games, but you're also caught in conversation. You're eating, you're drinking. Which caused me to want rewatch the Florida State. Uh, I'm listening to you. Sorry, I'm looking something uh, yeah, up. Yeah, no. Okay. How did we watch the game? We sit our asses in those chairs back behind us, and we, and we analyze have, everything. We have four games going, and we don't just have what's available on cable. We have the yeah, we have the Fox, we have the CBS, we have the ESPN, but we also have the ACC network, the uh, SEC network. We have pretty much access. We watch ESPN to, Plus to almost any game we want. Any watch. game we want to watch. We can We're watch. watching. If there's a, an opponent that one of us has coming up and they have a game that's not nationally televised on a major network, we still are watching that shit. And that is the thing that I really love about our setup. So we're able to take in a lot more games. And that's why I think we're more well-versed, honestly, in the fucking Sun Belt right now than we are even in, like, the American or the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, um so one thing that I, I'm not only just taking Miami and like the possibility of them winning, but right now the fucking spread is they think Clemson's gonna win this shit by 14. They think Clemson's gonna win this game by fucking 14. Or well, more. and it's po- so. I just I don't see I don't that see at all. Look, look, so so because this is how I view that spread. I view that spread as paying too much attention to last year versus this year. Yeah. Because you're taking you're, you're you know you're taking. Clemson went to the national championship, got blown out by one of the greatest college football teams to ever ever play in a season, and then a six and seven Miami team. Yeah, and I get so there. I get the spread. But the problem is they're not so they're not paying honest. attention. Yeah, and like this well, is not paying attention. The the people that make the spread, they are too damn good at their job for a reason. They the, there's a reason that they're the, the people that are making those. I think they pay attention. But, However. I think they pay attention to more than just the game of football, though. Yeah, I bet you they're paying also paying attention to where the hype is. But 
not not just that the people that I don't put any blame on the people that that make the spread. Um, I think that they believe with the talent that Clemson has, and yes, Miami's put up good numbers against the teams that it's played, including a, a Louisville team, but. They they're playing the betting game, right? They're trying to figure out, okay, how are we, how are, we how are we going to get bets, and how are we going to make the casinos money? Exactly, because they know they're going to bet on fucking Clemson. Yes, exactly. That's so, what I'm saying. So that's yeah. that's what they're playing. The thing I don't understand is how you can be um, watch college football and be analytical in how you watch college football, and look at these two teams and the composition of these depth charts and the coaching staffs and the performances that they have this year and think that Miami doesn't have a shot in the dark to beat Clemson. That's where my question comes in. Now, do I think uh, Clemson can win? Absolutely. It's Clemson. They could 100% beat Miami. Do I think Miami could win? Absolutely. I picked them to win. But I don't think there's a way that you can look at either of these team compositions and say, oh, that team doesn't have a shot. Yeah, 14 points. But when you're the guy who makes the spreads, you're sitting there going, what's everyone talking about? What's everyone looking at? And more people are talking more about this team yeah, than they are that team. And what the talking point is, is this is Clemson's only test this year. Yeah, well, this this is their test for the for the playoff again. This is well, this Notre Dame, but this is their test. Right. So that's what they're looking at it as. They aren't looking at it like, oh, this is Miami's chance to prove themselves. This is oh, this is just another test for uh, Clemson to get ready for the playoff and to beat Notre Dame later on in the season. I'm gonna tell you something. I because it's I've been thinking about the this thing all like this thought all week is what this game really reminds me of, hardcore, is 2017 Miami versus Notre Dame. Because that's how it was leading up into that game. It was all I heard. All I heard up to that point was Larry. Notre Dame's going to run it down their... No, I'm not talking... <laughs> I don't want to bring up that douchebag that didn't actually watch his team. But all I heard was about Josh Adams. He was going to run it... You know, Heisman Hopeful is going to run it down Miami's throat. Just like... If I... Because I... It just reminds me so much of that, that it was like we were counted out, you know, and it's just like this, because more than I've heard about Trevor Lawrence, I've heard Re- Travis Etienne was going to tear us apart, is the biggest thing I've heard yeah. coming in this game. And I just don't think, I, I, that's where I think, and that's why I wanted to get you in on the tail of the trenches, was I think that people are underestimating this Miami D-line versus that Clemson offense. Well, not, even just, not even just the defensive line, though. Another thing that I just kind of looked into, too, was... You know, uh, Zach McLeod, um, that dude's got a good amount of experience under his belt, and he's not a shitty linebacker by any means. Um, now, what's what would you say is more his style of play? Uh, well, is so, he a run stopper, or, or is he more of a secondary guy? For style of play, I'd probably go more so into coverage or uh, rushing because he was converted from an outside backing spot. So you say he's more of a run stopper? Um or is he balanced? I think he's kind of balanced, okay. to be honest. Right. I can't really pinpoint yeah. where I would fit him most, yeah. to be honest. Right. And, I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm looking at this as when you have the capabilities that Miami's defense has in the box, right now we look at it, and I, that's why I ask you those questions because I don't really know anything about McLeod. Now, I think he's probably a self Obviously, he's starting, but... You know, the one badass on your defensive box really is Roche. But, you know, you were mentioning about... I would disagree with you on that. I think all three, the starting de- uh, defensive tackle, Phillips and Roche, are all studs. And I think all three of them outmatch the offensive linemen that they're going to be matched up against. And that's why I think I'm going to, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to get into my key players for these, this game. My key player for Miami's defense is Zach McLeod, um, strictly because he's their third leading tackler right now. Coming into this game, he's the third uh, leading tackler, and it's going to be up to him to shoot that gap and keep his contain whenever uh, Clemson gets tries to get into those inside zone, outside zone plays that they love, right? He's going to have to fill the gap and 
just rely on those three stud D linemen to do their job, do their part. Eat up the double team. Yep. And I think he's going to have a big game. He already has a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. He has uh, ten t- or 16 total tackles. He's already shown that he's around the ball. He flies to the ball. He's a secure tackler. But not just that, you also have Bubba Bolden who's going to be in the box. His nose is going to be around the uh, around the box, on the ball, he just sniffs out well, action. So you want to know a funny thing? Because we talk, we been, we've been talking nonstop about Bubba Bolden. Yeah. You want to know the funniest stat of all about Bubba Bolden? What? He's been rotating in. I know. He's not. He's starting this week because Gerben Hall got that targeting last week in the second half, and okay. he's sitting the first half. So now Bubba Bolden's our starting safety. He hasn't. He's not going to be just. He's been an oar, as they call it. He's a he's a rotating safety, and now he is full on starting. Oh. Hopefully he starts it off well. Now, who's who's number one and number two? Amari Carter. Bubba Bolden's number two. He has 17 total tackles. And then Amari Carter. Amari Carter, our frickin' lay the wood. Mr. Mr. Almost gets targeted. Yeah, Mr. Targeting himself. But I think McLeod and your linebacking... I mean, you look at... uh, What is it? Those are good stats to have. Frierson. He's our striker. Gilbert Frierson's the striker. Yeah. He's he's right there in uh, fourth with 12 total tackles. I mean... You just look at this. Let me look. look at, hold on. Let me put this up on. Well, look, because I wanted to point this up because I brought this up to you earlier uh, before we started. Look who's uh, look who's sitting at that fifth spot. You have Sil- Silvera. Then the you defen- have Brooks. So above our defensive ends, dude. Yeah. yeah. Nesta Silvera. Dude, he he's a force on the in the middle, and that's where I'm. Ah. I'm telling you, dude. I don't I'm, like. I'm, no, I'm sitting here now. I do want to say though, I do kind of want to see this from the Clemson defensive standpoint too. Yeah, but, I got you. No, I agree though that that Darby 100 right. I think the make or break of this is going to be the matchup between Miami's offense or Miami's defense. defense and no, I I think Miami's offense versus Clemson's defense can be the big one for me okay. personally. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Clemson's oh, defense. If if Darby thinks that that's going to be the serious yeah. matchup, then we want to definitely take a look into that. See, from I, a statistics point of view. I think Miami's defense is going to be okay. I, I'm not, I think that I think they're going to be able to like wreak some havoc. Yeah. See, now I want to know what the fuck Clemson's going to be able to do defensively. I, I disagree with Darby on that. I think the key matchup is Miami's defense against Clemson's offense. I think it's best versus best, right? Clemson. I think Miami's going to be able to put up the points, and that comes through clear in my prediction that I think they're going to put up 38. I think the key is being able to contain Trevor Lawrence and uh, pretty much limit the run game of Travis Etienne. Because Etienne, they're going to use Etienne run first to set up the pass. That's what's going to happen. So I, I, the, think, I think I see it from your perspective the, the, the where you reason, have a little bit of faith in your defense. Uh, so the re- my reasoning is I know what my defense is going to be coming into this game for the most part. So My question is always going to be our offense in big games. Here, That's why I have yeah, them set as the key. And I 100% match. agree with that. Here I is can your, totally understand that because it's usually your offense that... Here's your stats the for the Clemson defense. Uh, Balen Spector, their linebacker, leads the uh, leads with 20 sacks. Or 20 total tackles. 20 sacks. My, <laughs> That'd be my nuts. Head. Uh, twenty total sacks. Uh, your two DNs. Who is that again? James Golaski. No, Spectre. Oh, okay. Um, then you have Miles Murphy with fifteen tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, James um, Skasky. Yep, Skasky with thirteen, and then uh, Regan Upshaw with eleven. So that's two defensive ends and two linebackers. What I don't see here. That I saw on Miami's is defensive defensive tackle, seven tackles. Yeah, I. Uh, that's the first defense defensive interior. So what that tells me is that on the run game, their linebackers are having to make a hell of a lot of tackles. Uh, and I how's mean, uh, how's that number one dude doing? Number one, Breezy was that his name? Oh. Uh, Brian Breezy, he has six tackles, one and a half sacks. Okay, I was just curious how he what his. I think like. looking at those stats and just knowing how Miami's offense plays, I think. I mean, I, I expect Miami. I honestly think that they're going to have some draw plays that are going to be big time for them. I also think that they're going to 
I, I don't. I could see them just running the ball just to come. You know, I, I sat here thinking like Miami's going to come out out the gates if they if they return the kickoff. Think Miami's going to come out the gates just throw a huck a deep one. But now I'm looking at it. and I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the first fucking play Miami runs is the fucking run play, and um, same with Clemson, honestly, because I think they're both going to have to respect each other and kind of see what everyone's actually capable of and get their linemen warmed up for this shit because this is going to be a fucking hell of a game. Yeah. And the best way to get your linemen warmed up is to fucking just run a simple fucking run play. First play of the game. I'm telling you, it's a lot easier to fucking attack than it is to fucking just pass protect first play. Well, let's get in. Let's go uh, some key players here. So I already gave you my one for Miami defensively. I was going to say, so give me uh, give me offense and defense for both yeah, teams. Yeah, and, and I am. So defensively, I'm going uh, McLeod. For Miami, obviously Bubba, I think is Bubba is going to show up, but I think it's going to be up to McLeod to really shoot the gaps and try to limit Etn because he's not even going to just have to be there on the run game. Travis Etn has 172 yards on nine receptions, receiving out of the backfield, and that's most likely going to be McLeod. Um, so I think McLeod is really the key guy for Miami defensively, offensively, it. It's got to be Cameron Harris. Cameron Harris, you have to get the run game going because Miami. I still don't have faith in their wide receivers. In their wide receivers, I like Brevin Jordan, but I still don't have the faith in that wide receiver core. It's got to be Cameron Harris first. You got to get the run game going. In terms of Clemson, um, I think it's going to be uh, Ladson Jr. He's um, he's their number two receiver right now. Yeah, he's a former. You know, player. you know, Rogers is going to be covered by Al Blades. I think that Ivy, Ladson matchup is Lads. How Ladson performs against Ivy is going to be the biggest thing well, for that Clemson's also de- office. That also depends on how they line up Rogers because he is a small speedster. So I don't know. If, I and I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know how they line him up if they line him in the slot or. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some teams like to line their, their speedster in the slot, and I don't think we'd put Blades in the slot. We'd keep Blades on the outside because he's too good at being, he's too good at wide out coverage. Yeah. Um, I, and that's why I figured you'd have him on the number one guy. The yeah, biggest I threat. Think, yeah, I think as long as he's uh, if he's lining up outside, then yeah. Uh, if not, then he'd be the one on Ladson. So the, the matchup for me is whoever, and Ivy has really shown up he's gotten his shit together since that UAB game and I am really happy to see it because I had huge question marks for him uh coming out of that game and he has played lights out since so I hope he continues it and he doesn't have that down game but whoever the wideout is across from Ivy I think is going to be the key for uh Clemson offensively and then defensively, it's got to be, um, ah, shit, what's his name? Spectre? Yeah, Spectre. I mean, he's already their leading tackler. He's going to have to ball out and really limit Cameron Harris. He's going to have to well, be the guy he, to stop if, Cameron. I don't know if he's going to be the guy that's on Brevin. <laughs> yeah, Whoever's exactly. Got Brevin's got the hardest job of this entire game. Yeah. So, that's that's my opinion on it. Uh, Luke, what, do you, what are you thinking, Brown? Well, I'm just looking at this, and like I think the strength for both teams is obviously the offense. So yeah. when you're looking at this, it's like, fuck, both teams are going to want to make sure that their offense is doing well, as they should. Because the moment you see that the strongest part of your team is not performing as well as you want it to, then that's where you get really fucking worried, right? So I think that the matchups, though, it's really hard to fucking tell, you know, because I think there's solid matchups all across the board. You know, the offensive tackle... For Clemson, he's probably one of the he's probably one of the bigger badasses, uh, Jackson Carmen, and then you know he's going to be going up against you know pretty solid defensive ends, and I think the matchup there is obviously going to be the Roche. But then you're looking at you know the center for Clemson, he's also kind of like one of the vets, and he's going to be going up against uh, fucking Silvera. So like yeah. those are two solid matchups that you're going to be seeing the whole fucking game. Well, what's that center's name again? Uh, for Clemson, yeah. Uh, that is Cade Stewart. Yeah, so Cade, okay, he's not the one that only had like a hundred snaps. Yeah, no, he's a bit of a vet. So I think your your biggest your key matchup in my eyes is Will Putnam. He's a, I think he's the left tackle, or the right tackle. What's he on? There? 
What's he on there? Putnam. You talking about the Richard sophomore or Putnam? Well, he's the right guard. He's the yeah. right guard. Okay, so he's not a tackle. So that kind of throws out what I was thinking because I was thinking this dude only has 192 snaps last year. So he was yeah. kind of in during garbage time, throwing him to the wolves against yeah. one of those two stud DNs. Well, you could but say that the he's same. not a tackle; he's a guard, so he'll have some help. Yeah, and that's the same thing with. I mean, Miami's got literally the same thing going on too with Jakai Clark, left guard. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's kind of in the same boat as the right guard for Clemson. So I mean, overall, like these matchups are fucking just dead set even. But I think, I, th- I from what I'm seeing and everything like overall from the trench battle Miami's got the upper hand in my opinion but yet we still have to see I mean we obviously have the game to watch but like I think overall the matchup goes to Miami because overall everything's almost even but then Miami just has a little bit more of an offset in those trenches and then when you start to include the linebackers then it evens out even more yeah you know so it's like it's really fucking hard to tell what the hell is about to fucking happen. The one thing I will say is, while I think uh, Miami's defensive line, in terms of their starters, is much better, you can correct me if I'm mistaken, but I think Clemson uses a much deeper rotation on the defensive line. Uh, it's... I can't really... I wouldn't be able to give you an accurate... Um, I couldn't tell you who goes deeper. Um, only because, uh, <laughs> very poor choice of words. Um, but, uh, I couldn't tell you in terms of who's the depth more because we've played <laughs> the teams we played typically Miami. We rotate a lot on uh, especially defensive end. And, um, I don't know this year if we still do it as much as in the past because these games have been blowouts. So it's hard for me to sit here and say, you know, yeah. Miami rotates more because I think we do. Only because that's how we that's how Manny Diaz has always been. He just he wrote he yeah. rotates. You know, we go three deep on both sides. Okay. Which is quite a bit. And and because of all of these things and the way that this is adding up and the, the way if you're really looking at this from a perspective of how you want to make sure like I've told you guys I've said this before and this is something that I said about one of the Cincinnati games. When you go into a game and you just start off just fucking, you know, dominant, going for the big plays right out the gate. You know, you, maybe you have a good setup game plan. Usually, if it starts going well, then you just kind of stick to that. You don't make any adjustments. If you come out slow, like if you're being really methodical, like a fucking chess match, like as both these teams should, you know, you're going to start off slow and methodical, not from a calling the play standpoint, getting lined up, but from the kind of plays that you call. So I'm thinking more of a kind of a run game approach from the very beginning because that's going to help warm your offensive lineman up to the speed and the action and the ability, and it's also going to help protect that fucking football because at least you're going to have it in the hands of a running back and not with a quarterback standing there five feet not paying attention to what's behind him. So because of all those things, I think that this game's going to start off kind of slow and methodical, and then it's going to start to expand real fucking quick once everyone gets kind of warmed up to the capabilities of who they're going up against. Yeah. So... Because of that, I think this whole, like, the whole, going the first quarter, first half, I don't expect it to be more than fucking 14 by each team. I don't, I don't think either team's going to score more than fucking 14 points in the first half. But then second half, that's when they're going to be like, okay, we know who the fucking fish is. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they're going to know who they can fucking attack and who they can go after based off of the scheme that they've seen so far. And then, so going the second half, you might see a complete change of pace, which, I, I, that's how I look at it. I don't think there's really any specific matchups that I can pick out in the trenches I think it's going to be a solid battle across the board. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's just how I see it. And if, I, if I'm being offensive coordinator, I'm fucking running the football and I'm getting my guys warmed up to the guys that they're going to be going up against so that they get a good idea. And I can see it. I know that football is fucking protected in the running back's hands. And then once we kind of get an idea, fucking third, fourth quarter, play action pass, well, baby. I, I have you, – you heard my prediction a little bit earlier. I think Clemson's going to start out run ball to the left, right behind their big experience guys. But I want to hear your key matchups, your key guys for this game, man. Because I know you've been diving into it on both sides uh, this week. Who who you got? Um, so I'll start offensively for Clemson. Um, I am on board uh, with a lot of other people with thinking. I think ETN's the big key. Well, yeah, but I, I want I want to hear. Well, and we all know ETN's. The well, key. I get that, but that's why I I really I really think because this is going to be the toughest defense that any of them's gone up against in since you know the playoffs last year yeah and i want to see i want to see how he does against our defense that's that's my biggest question mark because my biggest question mark in this game isn't even trevor lawrence you know the potential number one pick in the draft my key overall 
and what's going to be the catalyst of how Clemson plays is going to be Travis Etienne. And the, see, I know I didn't want to do it, but it's like I that, can't that's go. Why I, don't, I, didn't. I can't really go anywhere else with it because uh, I think if I were to pick, you know, I can't like Luke's. I can't really pick an O line matchup. I think it's overall. I want to see how their O line handles our our pass rush, and then. It's going to be yeah, a scheme, I, specific, you know, like, I specifically tried to not pick Lawrence I, well, or ETN. I, well, I tried too, and I was sitting here trying to go around it, but I can't. It's like yeah. because ETN such a big catalyst on to me <laughs> on how he their is. success is going to go. He's he been is. the unsung hero of this team for. I mean, since he, he's been there. You fucking look at his stats. Like I said just a second ago, the dude already has 172 so yards uh, receiving and 243 um, rushing. So the dude. Obviously, their entire offense runs through him, and so it's that like I really did. Like I said, I didn't want to have to do it, but it's like I, I can't find a bigger key to me. You know what I mean? I can't find a bigger uh, like question mark to me. What, what to keep my what to keep your eye on? Whoa, this is an interesting stat. What he uh, Trevor Lawrence has a yard per attempt. Yeah, running the ball. That is interesting. As long as twenty-two. Okay, that's in count. That's accounting for sacks. Never mind. I uh, not as interesting as I thought it was. <laughs> I yeah, he's got three rushing touchdowns too. Yeah, but you know, you, you're sitting there talking about what Clemson's probably thinking the same fucking thing about Miami, though. You know, they're probably sitting there going, "How the f- like we're gonna have to make sure we fucking contain the fuck out of Derek King. We're gonna have to make sure he can't escape the fucking pocket yep. once we start to collapse." How, it. how do we? Uh, Put a cap on Cameron Harris. Yeah, like they're gonna be thinking the same fucking thing. But all right, so we know, obviously, Etn is the stud. What about the other three? Who you got for Miami's offense and defense oh, okay. and Clemson's defense? So uh, I'll stay on. I'm gonna get you Clemson's first completely. So Clemson's defense. Um, I want to see. Uh, what's? I can't. Remember freaking name to save my life hold on let me see it who breezy no not breezy their other defensive ta- uh defensive tackle uh oh, pickney 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 uh Niles pickney is mine for clemson's defense because to me i think um clemson's gonna have to get penetration on us bad yeah and i don't i don't know i don't see it coming so much on the ends as i do coming on the inside against us um Phrasing. <laughs> Man. You're struggling with that this yeah. episode. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you. So, <laughs> I, I think, you know, that's where the majority of the, the they're going to have to get the pressure on and or get that pressure through, and that's where my key is. And I've known of him for a very long time. He's a very good player. Yeah. Um, and, obvi- and I don't think he's – like, you, you look at those numbers, I just don't think their defensive line's been a stout – of course – then again, this is you know Clemson's blown out two teams and then struggled against Virginia. Well, not struggled. I'll put in quotes because they put up twenty three and four hundred yards. But so you got to also take into account the fact that they've been rotating. You know their their yeah. backups in quite and, a bit. And they're, so they're, they're, they're freshmen, that top recruiting class for in their history. They've been getting those guys' experience. Yeah. So, but I he's my key um, on Miami's side. Uh, for Miami's offense, I'm going to go kind of off the board, and I'm actually saying Mark Pope. Yeah, because I can see to him me, being I'm picking the key. him a key because we need it yes, this game. Yes, This game of all games, we need him to finally come in and really show why we put so much faith in him over the years. And and you know what you can't have? Drops. or And I don't like... and well, Lots. So they're still bad... Miami hasn't uh, said who's going to be returning punts. Yet. Okay. Well, um, my guess, watch for Z- uh, Xavier Rusheper to come out and return punts this game, and I think it's going to be more so to uh, be play it safe. Um, but I think Mark Pope to me is the key, and um, because I could, you know, I could go Derek King. No, I, mean, I think that's the obvious one. But um, and then on uh, the defensive side of the ball, I'm going with Nessa Savera. I'm going with both defensive tackles for both teams. Um, I think the the weak point of this Clemson offense is its interior of the O line, because um, obviously that's where you put your most experienced guy, inexperienced guys. Um, and I think that Nessa Savera so far this year has gone off yes. for defense, as a t- defensive tackle. And um, I think I just want to see how they contain him. Really, I just 
I think he really, that people have been sleeping on him only because everyone's so focused on our ends, which rightfully so. We're loaded. This whole defensive line is just loaded. It is. Um, it, and, you know, the ends always get all the glory. But I think people haven't been paying attention too much to uh, Nessa Severa outside of the Miami fan base. And um, that's where my, my key players are, really. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I want to still mention really quick, because we've, we've drilled everything, I feel like. The one thing we've really skipped over, which I told you could make or break you, is the fucking special teams. You know, do we have any stats or anything um, from the special well, teams or anything? I, I don't know anything about Clemson special teams. Obviously, they're going to have athletes, right? They're going to have dude that's really athletic back there fielding the kicks. They're a powerhouse. They're going to have a good kicker. The... The key, I have two keys for the games because I, I know Clemson special teams are going to be solid. They're going to be polished. They're going to be good. The keys in special teams is whoever is returning kicks for Miami better not drop the damn ball. And then you have your X Factor. Can't afford any turnovers and special teams. Mr. Category 5 leg himself. Yeah, Jose Borregales, so, the one kicker off the board this year. The Cat yeah. 5. That's what I'm calling him. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's that's one thing that may you know, like you see those big fucking games, and sometimes there's just a fucking kick return that goes for six. And everyone's like, God damn it, why didn't we work on that? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and Clemson, like I said, their their shit's going to be polished. Um, yeah, their their special teams are going to be good, but I don't I don't know how explosive they're going to be. Yeah, I really don't. the The biggest thing is going to be Miami holding on to the football. On those punt returns, you can't give a short field to the Clemson. No, offense. we know from experience playing Clemson the last time when Jeff Thomas freaking muffed a punt yeah. in the in the uh, ACC championship game when we were kind of hanging in there early on. And you, then you can't do he it. He muffed the punt, and then that's what led to an onslaught. But um, but and it's funny you bring up Jose Borregales and talk about key players. To me, is I said it when I made my prediction originally, and that I've said on is I really do think this game's going to come down to a final field goal, and he's going to hit it, and that's what's going to win it for us because I really do think it's going to be a freaking bloodbath of a game very close and well I was just going to say you, you can continue oh go ahead that's pretty much I made my point I'm yeah so <laughs> I think it's about time we, we wrap this baby up let's wrap it up and just read uh, state what our score predictions were 24-21 I don't know who the fuck Probably Miami. So I had a little bit I of a think. spread for Clemson. Yeah, I want you to settle on a score here. You got to settle here. Thirty-eight, thirty-one, Miami. Thirty-eight, thirty-five, Miami. And I just before we get out of here, I want to give a message to the Miami fans. It's time to be. I understand that we're all nervous about this game because of the past. Um, you know, everyone's talking about we just want this game to be competitive, but I think you guys aren't looking at the fact that we are able to win this game. And it's not getting enough attention that we can we can really do this, man. I feel really confident. We got this. <laughs> but with that said, stay dialed in for more content. Check out our social medias. Links will be in the description. Keep paying attention. Get the word out. We'll be with you again on Sunday.